Welcome to the Unapologetically Fueled podcast, where we talk nutrition, identity, performance, and the psychology behind it all. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm literally so excited about today's episode. I have a really special guest, Morgan or Balanced by Morgan on Instagram. She is literally the sweetest and has such great content and I am so excited to talk to her today. So she's super insightful. Um, And with that, do you want to introduce yourself, Morgan? Hi, my name is Morgan. I run an Instagram and TikTok account called Balanced by Morgan. And just a little bit about me, I'm 17. I'm going to be a senior in high school. Um, I run cross country and track. I love to run. And if I'm not running, I'm either in the kitchen cooking because I love to cook or I am volunteering at my local animal shelter because I am the biggest dog person you will ever meet. (laughs) I love that so much. Like literally my heart just like smiled. (laughs) Like dogs are my life. Like I, I <laughs> that's so cute. We're like so similar. Um, yeah. Here, do you have a dog? I have two. I have a ten-year-old lab husky mix, and then I have a three-year-old coonhound mix who we actually adopted from the shelter. So yeah. No way. That's so cute. A lab husky mix. That must be absolutely beautiful. She or he is probably the cutest dog. He looks just like a lab, but. We always say that he acts like a husky. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I'll have to see a picture. You'll have to send send some pictures after this. (laughs) Awesome. So yeah, thanks for introducing yourself. Um, Yeah, all of her food looks so good. So go check out her recipes. (laughs) Thank you. Of course, amazing. Can you share a little bit about like your running story, how you got into running? Because you are such a talented runner. Thank you. You're welcome. So basically growing up, I was never really an athlete. Um, I did like recreational gymnastics. I would just do it for fun. But um, I had always said for some reason that when I get to high school, I want to try cross country. I don't know where it came from. And then I ended up trying it my freshman year and I absolutely hated it. Like I would come home after every practice and cry like, and I was so bad like I couldn't run more than like a mile without stopping I barely could finish the freshman races so then when that season was over I was like I'm not doing this anymore I don't like it but then quarantine hit and I kind of felt like I have like this obligation to go back and try it again so I gave myself another chance and then I started running on my own during quarantine and that's when I kind of just fell in love with running and like the feelings of accomplishment that come with running And just, I saw like, wow, I can run two miles. Now I want to run three miles. And I remember like working my way up to like five miles without stopping. And then my sophomore year, um, I've had a lot of racing anxiety. So I didn't really like racing still, but I had gotten a little bit better, a little bit faster. I was more serious about it. Um, And then I actually was able to run a few varsity races that season. So I got that little taste of varsity. So then my goal for my junior year season was to stay on varsity completely. And I don't really know how it happened, but I put in a lot of time and a lot of work during the winter and just in the summer before preseason. And I ended up like shaving five minutes off of my time pretty much. And I was running like times I never thought myself was capable of. I was running the second spot on my team and just it's my favorite thing to do in the world now. I just absolutely love it. Oh my gosh. 
<laughs> minutes. That's incredible. It's, I don't know. I literally, my sophomore year, I was running like 25 minutes, 26 minute 5Ks. And now my junior year season, I was in the 20s and the 19s. And I don't know how it really happened. But oh my gosh. That is like on hard work and passion and like dedication. Yeah. Like, wow. That is like almost two minutes per mile faster as a pace. So wow. Yeah. It, that is it, it was a lot of just becoming like a runner, I guess you say, but more of just like becoming a runner as in just enjoying running. And once I found that love for running, I just didn't want to stop. And then I learned how much there is for running. It's not just going out and running. I learned about nutrition and strength training and stretching and all that. And just overall made me just not only become better at my sport, but just fall in love with my sport. Oh, absolutely. Like you really have to have that like intrinsic motivation in order to like actually like be motivated to work at something. Cause like, if you're yeah. just motivated by rewards and like just doing it for other people or whatever, like you're not going to find like the same motivation. Like you're not going to push yourself the same in workouts or yeah, exactly. Yeah. So <laughs> that's amazing. That is such a beautiful running story. I love that. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. And it's so cool. Like you guys can't see right now, but we're like, we're recording on zoom and like just the light that comes to your face and <laughs> talk about it. I'm like, Oh, this is so passionate. It's so beautiful. <laughs> That's so cool. So, um, what would you say like your long-term goals are with running then? Um, if I can run in college on a team, I would definitely love to do that. Um, but if not, if I don't end up running on a team, then I definitely can see myself like half marathon training. And ideally, I would love to run a marathon one day. Totally. Just, yeah, I'm definitely a distance runner. So I definitely want to see how far I could really go. Absolutely. You're going to be like up there doing like ultras someday, <laughs> like 50 miles. And I'm going to be like, that is Morgan. Like, you go, girl. <laughs> I'd probably be like smiling the whole time. Like, I just, I love running and the feeling it, it gives me. It's just... It's amazing. It truly is. Like the runner's highs is actually like legit. Like it's yeah, so it amazing. really is. <laughs> it's amazing. Like even on like bad runs, like once you get into it and like even if you feel like you're having a bad run, like afterwards you're like, okay, I feel so good. But like yeah. just, like, the motion of it is just amazing. It's just I love it. Yeah, it really is. That's awesome. So are you like talking to any coaches or are you just kind of like waiting to see how things go? Um, I've actually, I was invited to a junior recruit day at one of the colleges I am looking at. I've been in touch with a few of the other coaches, mm -hmm. but for what I want to major in, a lot of the schools are like the really big schools and like the really fast schools. So mm -hmm. I don't know if it's going to be possible for if I choose to go to one of those really big schools, if I'm going to be able to run on one of the teams, mm -hmm. but I'm definitely going to try, see how far I can get. But again, like I said, if it doesn't work out, if that path doesn't work, another one will open and I'll probably start marathon training or half marathon. <laughs> yes, I love that. Absolutely. And that's like something that's so beautiful about running is there's so many things you can do with it. So like, yeah. even if like college running doesn't work out, if you go to a bigger school, like one, I think you're amazing and will <laughs> accomplish whatever. But like, I also like, it's cool that you can like train for half marathon or marathon because like in these bigger schools too, there's so many running clubs. There's like JV teams. So yeah. Like I'm from Michigan and like the University of Michigan, Michigan State University, like they both have like 
JV teams and you could literally be running a 33 minute 5k and join their team and they yeah. just with everybody and they all have like cake after every race and just, yeah so I like you can definitely find community in that too but half marathons are really fun that's what I started to train for a couple of years ago and it's like it is the best distance in my opinion <laughs> yeah I remember you posting after your most recent one I was like so proud of you it just you looked so happy and like just seeing all like how you like prepared for it and all your fueling and all that. I was like, I feel so proud. (laughs) You are so sweet. Thank you. (laughs) It was the best. I was literally don't think there was a moment when I was not smiling during that. Maybe like the last like 0.2 mile because it was like really I oh my gosh, I was in pain. It was uphill. But other than that, it was all smiles. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's so cool. So you mentioned that you want to go to a bigger school because of your major. What do you want to major in? So I want to be a registered dietitian, but specifically a sports dietitian. So I want to work with athletes and I could definitely see myself like in a college working with athletes or having my own practice working with athletes. Just, I have a very, very big interest in nutrition and just from like my experiences with learning how to feel properly and just my sport and all that. Mm -hmm. I just, I know fitness and nutrition will always be a big part of my life. And I just, I feel like that's the path for me. And it took me a little bit of time to realize, but once I finally realized like that's the route I want to go down, it just feels right. That's awesome. That is so great. And you're going to help so many people. So that's great. Yeah. So, um, yeah, you mentioned that you did have a history with like learning how to feel properly and everything. Um, could you share a little bit about your story about like under feeling, um, eating disorder recovery and everything and that? Yeah how you overcame that. Okay. So when I was 11, so this is going back to 2017, Mm -hmm. I uh, was diagnosed with anorexia. I did um, undergo an eating disorder. It started out with, I wanted to just be like more quote unquote, like fit and healthy. So I stopped eating like um, foods that you would call like unhealthy, like cake and ice cream, stuff like that. Now I don't believe there's like good or bad foods. I believe in everything can fit into a healthy lifestyle, but 10 and 11 year old Morgan didn't know that. And because I cut those foods out, I became scared of them and just, I restricted myself and I was doing way too much activity with such little fuel. And then I learned what calories were and I just started counting calories and trying to eat just as little as possible. And I remember it was just, I was absolutely miserable. Like I was 11 years old. I should have been having fun and like going to my friend's birthday parties, but instead I was terrified to go to the birthday parties because I knew I had to eat breakfast with everyone and all that. So then um, I did end up going to a hospital and that's where they diagnosed me. And then I went, I was grateful enough that I was able to do outpatient treatment. My parents were in charge of my meals. I went to therapy twice a week. And then as I got better, I had to go less frequently. So then it was like once a week and then once a month. Um, But I'm very grateful for my parents because without them, I would not have been able to recover, especially because I was so young. I didn't know how to do that by myself. Um, And I always say that I was, I think like two or three heartbeats away from actually having to be hospitalized because my heart rate had gotten so low. So I always say that like God saw like strength in me to be able to like recover on my own and that knowing how close I was to being hospitalized, that really became like what drove me to recover. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's, 
that is so real and at 10 and 11 that is so yeah long. oh that breaks my heart there's but so many people yeah on the on the bright side though because um I did have my amazing parents that helped me through um I was able to like fully recover and was weight restored and had to stop going to therapy by that summer so wow. I was diagnosed early in the year and then by that summer I remember the doctors told me I could go back to gymnastics again. And I'll never forget that the last day that I ever went to therapy it was actually the therapist I was working with her last day working. And we didn't know if I was going to have to meet the new therapist, if I was going to have to continue or not. But I remember her saying that she thought I was fully recovered and I didn't have to meet with her anymore. So we both kind of finished on that day together. And I remember her asking my parents, like, do you feel that you have your daughter back? And both of them just like looked at me and they're like, we have Morgan back. And I remember that like, made me like cry in the hospital. (laughs) That's so sweet. (laughs) That is so beautiful. Like, oh my goodness, you were so dedicated and you overcame that. And like, that's amazing. That is so beautiful. Thank you. You're welcome. Oh, that's so cool. So then you would say that you like recovered from your eating disorder before you got into running then? Yeah. So I was definitely fully recovered before I got into running mm-hmm. and all that, but, um, I did undergo a period of underfueling last year during mm-hmm. the summer, but it was completely unintentional and it had nothing to do with disordered eating. It was just, I was now training more than I ever had before and more intensely because my freshman and my sophomore year, I wasn't running as much. I wasn't running as intensely. So the amount that I was eating was fine for the activity I was doing at that time. But when I started to train on my own, um, I picked up that intensity and I was running more because I had goals that I was really going after. Um, I did unintentionally lose some weight. Um, nothing like crazy, nothing unhealthy, just naturally my body was adjusting to the new mileage that I was doing. But then in the summer when preseason started and my miles really picked up, I didn't start eating more and I should have. And I didn't realize that because I was so uneducated in nutrition at the time. And at the time I was vegetarian. So I was like filling up on vegetables thinking that was like, okay, like I'm listening to what my body wants. And like, I loved big salads, but I didn't put like any carbs or protein in because I didn't understand that you needed that. <laughs> so I would feel full, but I was really just filling up on vegetables. So it's kind of like, I honestly didn't know how to eat in the summer. I didn't understand anything about nutrition. I thought like, I just didn't realize that you need so much fuel as an athlete and it just as an active person in general and how much really plays a role in that. And I didn't understand anything about like pre or post fueling, um, after like a workout and just anything about nutrition. So I did unfortunately under fuel for that time. But once I figured out like how much there is to nutrition and I worked with a sports dietitian and I just became educated in nutrition, I did. That's when I actually started to see performance results. And that's when I like started really um, starting to like run with the top girls on my team and keeping up with them. And just, I could see myself getting faster and just feeling stronger. And I'm, I always say like, I'm a little bit embarrassed that it happened during the summer. Because um, I always, when I had my eating disorder, I struggled for years to even tell like my closest friends about it because I was so embarrassed of what I went through. But now I understand that like, you don't have to be embarrassed about having an eating disorder. You should be proud of yourself 
for being in recovery and recovering. So um, I always say that like, yes, I'm a little bit embarrassed that I did underfuel, but ultimately the fact that I did underfuel and I learned from it is what helped me realize that I want to pursue a route down sports nutrition as my major. And it made me realize how much I love nutrition. And it also brought back my passion of cooking and opened up this whole window of cooking. And just now I love to cook and just, I love learning about nutrition. That is so cool. That is awesome. I was like a lot in one sitting, but no, 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 that there's so much good in that. Like I like, you should never be embarrassed for like, if you underfuel unintentionally after having an eating disorder, because like, I feel like a lot of runners go through that unintentionally. Like a lot of that, like a lot of runners and athletes are like, maybe they don't have disordered eating or they don't engage in eating disorder behaviors, but they're like under feeling and they don't really know. Mm-hmm. It. And so yeah. they're like, wait a second, I'm not feeling the best. Like what's going on here. So they meet with a dietitian and they're like, Oh, I was under feeling. And like, even if you have a history of an eating disorder, like it doesn't mean that you're going backwards. It doesn't mean that you're mm-hmm. relapsing. It just means that like you were training really hard and weren't giving your body the right nutrition and that's okay. Yeah. If you learn from it. As long as you yeah. like, Exactly. Yeah. Like it becomes a problem. Like if you're like, oh, I'm under feeling. And then you kind of take that and you're like, okay, like let's go backwards. Like, no, yeah. then that's a problem. And obviously need some more support with that, but yeah, yeah no, that's really awesome. Um, and oh yeah. When, sorry. When I recognized that I was under feeling too, I knew that it was nothing intentional. And I knew like, I didn't have any fear of foods. I knew I didn't fear any food groups. I just knew that it was I didn't know how to eat more. Mm-hmm. And I remember like being so nervous that like my parents were thinking I was relapsing or like my friends thought I was relapsing, but I knew deep down, I'm not relapsing. I'm just, and I don't want to say I was becoming an athlete because you can be an athlete no matter like what activity you do, mm-hmm. but I was becoming more of like a dedicated athlete. I was doing more running. I was doing strength training and cross training. I was doing more and I didn't understand that more activity means more fuel that you need. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So would you say that your parents and stuff were worried at that time that they were like worried that you were relapsing or noticing like any physique changes that were going on? Um, yeah. maybe not necessarily from weight loss, but like when you do start to get more muscle and even gain weight and muscle, like your body composition changes. And mm-hmm. like, some people are like, Oh my goodness, did you lose weight? Are you sick again? And you're like, no, actually I'm way more now, but like, did you get any of those yeah. comments? How did you like, okay, yeah. How did you uh, deal yeah. with those? So when I first started training on my own, I did lose weight, but I was still at like a healthy weight. There was nothing yeah. bad about it. But then as the summer training did pick up, I remember going on vacation in Florida and just being so insecure in my body because I thought myself that I had gotten too thin. And I knew that's when my parents and I both knew like, okay, something is not right. Like, I'm losing too much weight and I needed to stop losing weight, obviously. So I did fall a little bit underweight and I had to gain some during the summer. So I took some extra rest days and was just really prioritizing fuel. And I was drinking a lot of liquid calories, not that liquid calories are bad or anything, but I was, because I was running so much and I was running in the heat, sometimes that suppresses your appetite. So it's so much easier to just drink liquid calories sometimes to get more fuel in. Um, and then thankfully I did gain some of the weight back and it definitely made me stronger and faster and helped me have a really good cross country season. 
So my parents, I don't think they ever thought I was relapsing. I think they just saw that I was becoming a more intense runner and I was a vegetarian at the time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I made the switch to pescatarian because I knew that vegetarian, as much as I loved it, it just wasn't very suitable for me and my health. And I knew I needed to make a change. So that's why I did become pescatarian this year, but um, because I knew I had to maintain weight and I didn't want to lose weight again. I didn't want to underfuel, especially because even the cross country might've been over. I was training in the winter and then I was doing spring track. So yeah, I definitely think my parents and I noticed around the same time and we were like right on it to make sure that nothing bad happened or I lost too much weight, but they definitely knew that it wasn't a relapse. It was just me trying to learn how to feel myself better. Exactly. Exactly. And it's something hard to figure out at first. Cause when you increase that activity, you're like, okay, I need more energy, but like, how do I do that without feeling be overwhelming? Like, ah. and it's okay to admit that sometimes eating can be a little bit overwhelming, even yeah. if you're not actively dealing with an eating disorder, because as an athlete, like you require a lot of fuel. And sometimes it can be like hard to believe that you need that much. Like I'm a very small person. I'm literally 410. And I honestly think I eat like the most on all of my teams. And like, at first, like, yeah, I was a little bit insecure about that. And I was like, wow, like I eat a lot compared to some of my teammates. But at the end of the day, it's like, I know this is what my body needs. This is what's making me perform my best. And I think it's a flex now that I can like eat more than my whole team being the smallest one there. Queen, <laughs> I love it. Okay. I'm five feet. So I feel you. We're so similar. Like we need to meet up in person one day and just go on a run and then go out to lunch or something afterwards. Yes, please. Like, okay. We we're hanging out. It's a time. And then go to an animal shelter afterwards. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. You can meet my dog. It'll be amazing. Yes. <laughs> oh, so funny. Um, but yeah, I eat more than everybody that I know, probably even like mm-hmm. my dad. I mean, like I, I'm always like snacking. I'm always mm-hmm. eating something like every hour, two hours. And yeah. people are like, you're so tiny. Like, do you really need that? I'm like, yes, I really do. Yeah. I'm an athlete. Like also like everybody's metabolism is so different. Like, yeah. I don't know. Like, what have you learned about metabolism from your sports dietitian? Have you learned anything from that? Like, do you have any insight into how um, do you deal with that as a small person eating more? Because I know a lot of people are like, well, according to this calculator and according to my Garmin, which says I burn X amount of calories. And it's like, don't follow your Garmin's calories. Yeah. I made that mistake last summer. I thought everything my Apple watch said was like, if I burned this amount of calories, like, okay, that's how many I burned today. Not realizing that your fitness trackers are so inaccurate because your body burns so much more just by being a human and then you add on activity, you need a lot of food just to survive as a human, whether you exercise or not. Mm -hmm. Um, And I definitely putting like in perspective, like I'm again, like I'm really small and seeing like how much I eat compared to like some of my friends who aren't as active as me, but they're like much taller or whatever. It Mm -hmm. really made me realize that different bodies, different needs, everybody is different. Some people might need more fuel than you. Some people might need less. And that's really something that uh, was eye-opening to me during my fueling journey. Just everyone is so different and you shouldn't be embarrassed for how much your body needs because no one knows your body better than your body does. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Everybody's so different. Like your genetics, like mm-hmm. everybody has like a different genetically like predisposition metabolism. And like what you see online does not factor in your genetics. Like yeah. it can give you like, it gives you this, these numbers that are like wildly low and it's yeah. like, what in the world? Like, uh-uh. Like and they could also give you such a vast range too, yeah. that it's like, it's setting you up to pretty much like under fuel because the range is too big. The numbers are sometimes too low. It doesn't take into account that you don't just like, you might not just work out, but you could be like walking around the house, cleaning all day, doing that. That's still expending energy and you're still going to need more food for that. And just, there's no certain number that you need in the day. And that's also something that I learned during my feeling journey is I thought like you needed to have like X amount a day. And like, that's how like athletes would feel is like, they would try and hit like a certain number. But now I realize that every day is different. You mm-hmm. might need some food or you might need more food on some days. You might not be as hungry on some other days. Rest days could be your hungriest day of the week. Like mm-hmm. every single day is different. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Every single day is so different. And it's like, like some days I'm having like so much food and I'm always like, I'm literally eating mm-hmm. like every half hour, every hour. And some days I'm like, you know, I'm okay with like my meals and snacks normally. So yeah. very, yeah. Like, and like your, yeah, like your fitness tracker cannot predict anything. I remember no. when I was, yeah, when I was in um, treatment, they like did a BMR calculation just to like make yeah. sure that they were feeding me enough. And I don't count calories. I never, ever no, me. on that. Yep. I just eat whatever sounds good. But I remember they told me that as like almost an exposure to like, to show you. And it is like double of what my watch tells me that my yeah. thing is. And I'm like, okay, that's so interesting like these it's so bad because so many people follow like your fitness trackers and stuff based on and like eat according to like what it says they burn on their watches and I'm like no 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 no. like take that and double it if you're so focused on calories that you like cannot give up counting calories double what you're watching yeah exactly yeah that's crazy so yeah a way that a watch knows your body better than your own body Exactly. Exactly. It's just, it's, it's crazy. Like watches, they're great for like pace. Maybe they're even Mm -hmm. inaccurate for that sometimes, but like, yeah, don't know your health (laughs) based on your watch. Exactly. It's, it's literally a piece of technology. It's like metal, whatever it's made out of. It's yeah, (laughs) literally. Oh my gosh. Um, so when you overcame like under fueling and everything, did you notice that like five minute drop in your 5k after you, um, started feeling right. And you overcame that like under feeling portion. Yeah. So basically what happened was I, and I hate to admit this, but last summer before I started feeling a lot more, I did all of my runs fasted because my Mm -hmm. stomach just in general can be very sensitive when I eat too close to exercise. So I thought like, there was nothing that I could eat before. And I remember going to practice and just feeling so tired. And when you're not eating enough, or when you're really hungry, your mind is just going to be consumed by food. And I remember the only thing I could think about at practice was what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to make for breakfast? I wasn't focused on the run or all that. It was just, what am I going to be able to have for breakfast when I get home? And I was so hungry when I got back. So I remember just 
always feeling like tired and a little bit sluggish and just focus on food. But then once I started fueling properly and meeting with my sports dietitian, she recommended like, how about you try like simple carbs or just easy digesting carbs, like dried fruit or some of a banana or rice cakes with peanut butter and honey. And I remember her telling me all these and I remember trying them, being nervous that it was going to upset my stomach, but they didn't. And once I actually had food in my system, that's when I really started noticing a difference. And I remember the day, um, it was like a day or two after I had really started to increase like my portion sizes and I had started eating before my runs. I remember going on a run that, cause I live in a very, very hilly area. There's only one route that we have that is completely flat. Everything else is pure hills where I live. Gotta love New Jersey. Love but, it. <laughs> so I remember we have this run called Rich Hill which is just basically this very, very big uphill that we go. And in order to get to the hill, you have to go up more hills and just all rolling hills. And I remember that that run used to take me obviously a little bit longer. My pace would be a little bit slower because it's all uphill and I wouldn't be able to keep up with the top girls, but I would be like not too, too far behind them. And I remember one day literally being like right next to my one friend. She was like one of the top runners on the team. And the girls that I normally ran with, I was like ahead of, and like, I felt like I was going at a nice pace. I didn't feel like I was going crazy fast. Like I felt I was going at a comfortable pace. And that's when I really realized, like when you have fuel in your system, it makes a whole difference. Like I always, my coach, he always says this. And it's something that I'll always remember is like your body as an athlete is like a car. If you don't have fuel in your tank, you can't expect the car to go far. You can't expect it to go fast. It needs something and it needs a little bit of help. And that help is the gas, getting the fuel in the tank. Same concept applies to being an athlete. You need a little help to get energy. You need fuel. That's going to help you have the energy to perform your best and feel your best and just have energy to actually go and do your sport. And just that's why I'm so like, I understand like, um, food might not settle well with your stomach too close to exercise, but I'm such a big, like, I highly encourage people to try and find something because when you have food in your system before you go on a run or before you work out, it makes such a difference. Oh, absolutely. That is so awesome. Like it makes a world of difference, especially when you're eating, um, enough carbs too. Yeah. it actually can like lower your heart rate when you're going on runs. And like, we Mm -hmm. all strive to, you know, keep our heart rates low on easy runs or whatever it is, or like kind of control that heart rate a little bit. And like, I realized like the more I eat, like the more carbs that we eat, like the lower our heart rates are on those runs because our Mm -hmm. body's relaxed. It's not stressed out. And like, it needs something in its system just to like, like your posts about cortisol or so it was no no I don't know if it was here there was somebody's post about cortisol and like fasted running and stuff and I was like it's oh, so yeah I remember reposting that that was a really yeah. good post I forget yeah. who did it I think it was Kirsten maybe the simply living yes it was yeah. her yeah yes shout out to Kirsten um <laughs> you're listening right I know she's so nice but I, yeah I think you reposted that in your story mm-hmm. um but it's so true like when we're when we wake up in the morning or whenever we're like our cortisol always rises, the less fuel that's in our tank. And when we run, it also increases our cortisol. So why do you want to keep increasing your cortisol? It's so bad for you. Like you need something like you have to run in a relaxed state. So yeah. And even if it's just a little something like 
I still can't do like anything too, too heavy. Like I can't do like a whole bowl of oatmeal, like before I run, because my practices are very early in the morning because it's the summer, it's hot. So I really only have like 20 minutes to eat something before I actually go to practice. Cause I like to sleep in as much as I can. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like rushing out the door. So I'll grab like a handful of dates or a rice cake with peanut butter and banana, or like even just, um, peanut butter and honey on the rice cake, just something quick, but carb filled. And it gives me the energy I need. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. The rice cake with peanut butter and banana is like my favorite. So, snack. so good. Like if I'm not going to have like a what like a honey stringer waffle or like a cliff bar mm-hmm. something like always the peanut butter banana yeah cake so yummy it's either that or dates and peanut butter for me oh yeah that's another good one I I just ran out of dates I need to go buy some <laughs> and I just ran out of rice cakes like <laughs> so I guess like a question I have so you have experienced both an eating disorder and underfueling. What would you say from both personal experience and like what you've learned from nutrition? Like, what are the dangers of underfueling? Like, what symptoms did you notice, or do you know that can happen? Like, what are some of the consequences? So, underfueling is definitely something that I think needs to be like talked about more and emphasized more, not just in the fitness world, but just in general, because when you underfuel your body, and you don't give your body the adequate calories that it needs, your body can't function properly. And when your body doesn't have enough energy to do what it needs to do and what it was made to do every day, it's going to break down really fast. And especially with athletes, you might think like, oh, like I'm not eating like as much, but I'm performing really well. Like the thing about underfueling is it's always going to come back and it's going to bite you and something's always going to happen you're never going to just be able to under fuel and just get away with it. Like, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people seem to think like they might be like an exception to under fueling, but it really doesn't work that way. And then with like under fueling, like comes like your memory, like your mind is just going to be like consumed with food. It's all you're going to be thinking about. You're going to be risking injury because now your risk of getting an injury is increased because your body isn't getting the calories it needs to repair itself properly. Um, with female athletes comes amenorrhea, which is where you lose your period. And that is something that I've struggled with. Mm -hmm. So that's also really serious because it, um, puts you more at a risk of stress fractures because you have a lower bone density And the other thing that underfueling is going to do is it's just going to make you feel so much more tired and just sluggish and irritable. And your sport should be a part of your life and you should have passion for your sport and enjoy it, but it shouldn't take away from the rest of your life. So if your sport and underfueling and you're overtraining and all that, or just not feeling enough for your sport and it's causing you to be tired and miss out on going to the movies with your friends or going on that beach trip with your friends, then you definitely need to take a look in the mirror and address like the issues because again, like your sport should add to your life, not take away from it. Absolutely. Amen to that. Like we should never like put our sports before our lives and Mm -hmm. because our lives do come first, like everything else in life, like at the end of the day, Oh my goodness. My dog is barking. How wonderful. Hey guys, meet my dog, Polly. I think a package just showed up. Polly, I am not editing this out. 
No, please keep this in. <laughs> okay, we're back. <laughs> there we go. Okay. Um, what was I saying? Yeah, that is so real. Like underfueling and like everybody thinks that they are um like they're the exception you know Mm -hmm. or like people will say like oh I'm finally like I'm feeling enough like I'm doing well and it's like they're posting like what I eat in a days and it's like no honey you're not yeah it's so it can be so toxic online too just because like um a lot of people think that they're feeling enough and they're promoting that on Instagram and other people and what they're eating and it's just like there are so many dangers to underfueling and it's like like your life should become before your sport and like also if your sport is a major part of your life you're not gonna go far with an empty belly and like yeah not having enough fuel in your system so yeah for sure thanks for giving some of those insights there um so what are some I guess like behaviors of disordered eating that you've seen throughout other runners maybe like whether or not it's like runners you've run with in the past or like on social media or like what are some common behaviors that you are like I really want to like promote against this and like yeah yeah. um a big one that I see is runners avoiding carbs Mm -hmm. carbs are literally our main energy source carbs are what fuel us on all of our runs no matter the distance like you see it like all these marathon runners, they're eating carbs while they're running. And like, why do you think that? Because carbs are our energy source. They are easily digestible. They give us the energy that we need to run. Carbs should not be uh, feared like at all, because again, like we need them to have the energy to run, but we also need them to help us repair our bodies after we run. And carbs taste really good. Like I don't want to live in a world without pasta. Like I literally ate pasta before we started filming this. Like <laughs> that's amazing. I feel that. Like pasta is life. Mm-hmm. Like when you posted that those pasta pictures the other day, I was like, oh my gosh, this girl speaks my language. Like I love pasta. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Every single day. It's so good. Yeah. But another one that I see um like a lot of runners do is again, like not eating before they run. And that could honestly be like really dangerous because it, again, like increases risk of injury and just you'll feel sluggish and you just, you need to have something in your system before you run. Um, And especially like after you run too, like you need to eat something because your body needs to start repairing. You can't just go on like a six mile run and be like, oh, it's just like an easy six miles. Like, okay. But like, does the average person run six miles every day? No, like your body needs to repair after you do that. Even if you feel like you didn't go at like a hard pace or it wasn't a hard effort, like your body needs to recover from that. Yes, absolutely. Those are definitely two of the biggest ones that I see too. And it's so bad. Like people will go out on these runs and be like, oh, it's just an easy three mile run. I don't need to eat or six mile run or whatever it is. I don't need to eat anything. Mm-hmm. I don't need to refill after, you know, but like, yeah, like you said, the average person does not run yeah. every single day or like, you know, every other day, whatever it is, like you need to eat differently because of exactly. that. It's so dangerous too. Like mm-hmm. it's so sad. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. And it's like, I don't know. It's not just like with runners or just like people in fitness in general, but there's so much like people talk so much about protein nowadays. And it's like, I don't get the whole protein, like obsession, like 
protein, yes, is definitely essential and we need protein, but I feel like people like are hyping up protein so much to the point that like they're just prioritizing protein. But like if you're a runner, yes, you definitely need protein to help your muscles recover, but you should be prioritizing carbs just as much as you're prioritizing protein because they are just as important, if not more for you. Yeah, absolutely. There is such an overhype about protein and it's just like, (laughs) no, it seems like almost every single recipe people are posting these days are like, oh, I added protein to it. So it's good. It's like, no. Can we enjoy like normal baked goods without a scoop of protein powder in them? For real, for real. Like this, it's so, yeah. Like my dietitian, she was like explaining the science behind it too. She goes like, you can eat all the protein in the world, but your body is going to max out at a certain amount. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to use it for muscle building. Instead, what it does is like, once you hit as much protein as your body needs for the day, your body actually goes through a different process that turns protein into carbs. So it can fuel you. Mm-hmm. So like, those people who are just eating protein, 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 protein every single yeah. day, it's like, you're probably getting half the amount of protein that you're consuming because yeah. your body's like, hmm, this isn't a carb and I want a carb right now to feel mm-hmm. my pain for run, reading, whatever it is. Like, let's to like switch this protein into a carb. So like you can put the protein powder in everything you want, but <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not all going to go to muscle building if that is your goal. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's really cool. I actually never knew that. And it's like, I don't have anything against like throwing in a scoop of protein powder. If you're making like energy bites or baked goods, as long as it doesn't take away from the satisfaction of eating it, because sometimes I feel like people are just throwing it in to label it as quote unquote healthy, but that's just really taking away from the satisfaction of eating the baked good. Like if you just want a muffin, you don't have to make it a protein muffin, but if you want to make protein muffins, then go ahead and make them as long as you're not, it's not taking away from the satisfaction of actually eating a normal muffin. Preach. Beautiful. (laughs) Yes. That's so true. Like if you want protein oats, go and eat your protein oats Mm -hmm. and it's delicious. Like I love my protein oats, but like, like regular oats, like I'm going to eat regular oats. Like, Mm -hmm do that there's like your body will use it how it needs to so yeah absolutely no that's awesome so what are your thoughts on like diet foods as athletes because I see a lot of people on social media tend to promote like the diet foods the Mm -hmm. the skinny version of whatever or all that stuff like what are your thoughts on that of I don't know so as long as the food you're eating you are actually enjoying it you're eating it because you want it and you actually like it, then I don't see a problem with eating any of it. But if you're eating like one of these diet foods because you're fearing the actual version of the food or it's taking away from the satisfaction of actually eating that food, then there's an issue. Like I love rice cakes and I love having rice cakes before run or as like a night snack with like peanut butter and fruit. But I know like rice cakes are not an adequate source of carbs. So if I'm having a meal, I know that I would probably want to have like toast or something like that. But if I'm really craving rice cakes for some reason, then I'll have the rice cakes, but I'll pair it with more carbs. Like as long as you're eating food for the right reasons, I, I don't care what you eat. But if you're eating like the Halo Top ice cream because you think it's healthier than normal ice cream and you're restricting the regular ice cream, 
it is more healthy for you to eat the normal ice cream because then you're giving your mind and your body full freedom and full permission to eat what you enjoy and to fully live your life and just have what you want and honor what your body is craving, then you need to eat that regular ice cream because it's actually going to be healthier for you. Yes, absolutely. Like there's like such a fine line. Like, yes, if you like the diet version of whatever, just because you like it, like that's something else. Like go Mm -hmm. ahead, eat what you want, eat what you're craving. But if you're eating it to have some sort of false sense of control, then Mm -hmm. that's a problem and you need to address that and maybe consider like exposing yourself to a fear food or whatever it is. But like, Mm -hmm. yeah, no, absolutely. And also like a lot of those like ice creams and stuff too, they have a lot of very like artificial things and it can upset your stomach and Mm -hmm. just like put your body through stress that it doesn't need. So yeah. Don't fear the calories, guys. No. Energy. Like, and like, especially like, I know a lot of people like fear fats, but fats, like healthy fats are so good for you. And they're essential for you because they help like regulate your hormones and even like adding like olive oil to your vegetables. Like it helps absorb the nutrients better. Like I never cook my vegetables without olive oil. Like, yeah, I always make sure that I have some type of healthy fat in a meal because you need these healthy fats. And they should not be feared. No, absolutely. Fats are amazing. Like so good. Mm-hmm. I went to this like smoothie place the other day and I got like a smoothie. It was called like, it was literally called like the fatty or something. And I was like, <laughs> okay, that's kind of like, okay, whatever. Like it's a weird yeah. name, but I, it sounded so good. So I got it and it was like almond butter, peanut butter, like Ooh. avocado and like banana. So good. so good. And I was like, this is delicious. And like, my body's so happy right now because I'm just like, you know, giving my brain energy, my body energy. It was so good. So anything that has peanut butter in it is bound to be amazing. Oh yeah. <laughs> peanut butter is my life. <laughs> Me too. Oh, I love it. That's awesome. What are some like nutrition practices that you like are like adhere to as an athlete? What, whether it's like, like you said, like pre-run feeling, that's one of them. Like what is like something that you will is like your ride or die for life like I will always be like making sure I incorporate this practice into my life um definitely pre and post workout feeling even if my appetite is suppressed because it was like a hard workout or it was like really hot out I know my body needs fuel after to kickstart that recovery process and repair um I always make sure that I have a night snack even if I'm not hungry for it, especially like on days that I work out just because I know that again, like appetite can be suppressed and my body needs that extra fuel. Or if I have a morning workout, having that night snack is going to help me fuel that workout. And that's definitely something that I'm very like, I make sure I always do. Mm-hmm. And the other thing is not restricting on rest days because rest days are really like, I know for me, I have one rest day a week. If I take more if I need them, but with the way that I'm training right now, I run, um, about six days a week and I do some strength training on top of those days. Yeah. So I'm a very active person. So rest days are sometimes one of the only days where I'm really in tune with my body's hunger cues and hunger signals. And I tend to feel hungry on rest days. So I make sure that I'm giving my body all the fuel it needs because it's the one day a week where it's just repairing. I'm not putting additional stress on it by exercising and all that. I'm letting my body repair and recover and get ready for another week's of workouts. Yep. Absolutely. That is definitely such an important nutrition practice. 
so many people are like, oh, it's a rest day. I don't need to eat as much. It's like, no, you need to eat the same if yeah. not on rest days because like your body is using so much energy to rebuild itself. Mm-hmm. Like your body might even use more energy on rest days than it does on workout days because exactly. like, yeah, of course you're using energy when you work out, but it's like to work out is to, you know, tax your aerobic system, but it's not really rebuilding itself during mm-hmm. your workout days. When it's rebuilding itself, it takes up so much more energy. So you really need to fuel on those days for yeah. sure. Yeah, no, it's beautiful. It's like rest days. I always wake up and I'm like, mm, I'm so hungry. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. So you have an amazing Instagram account. What inspired that? When did you start it? So I had always wanted to make an account like this, but I guess I was always like too nervous to, too scared to do it. And then my friend, um, her username is running on plants, Angelina. She actually started her account. And I remember when she started it, I was like, wow, I really want to make one of those. And I saw the way that she was helping people and sharing her experiences. And like I had said earlier, like I've spent years being embarrassed of what I went through, but I wanted to finally, like, I felt ready to share my story and let people know because I really want to just try and help people, help people feel less alone. So I decided to, over winter break, I think it was, I decided to just go for it and make this account. And I also, I just really love cooking and I'm a big foodie. So I was like, it could be a place where I can not only share my experiences and my life as a runner and what I'm learning as a runner, but also share recipes with people and just connect with people who have the same interests as me, connect with people who are avid nutrition lovers like I am or runners and learn new things about running and nutrition and just make new friends. And I'm so glad I did. It was like definitely one of the best decisions because I've met so many amazing people and have learned so, so much. Oh, that is awesome. Yeah. It literally like your account is so beautiful and she posts really good recipes as I mentioned before. (laughs) So yeah. And it really is a good place to like connect with people in the community and just like Mm -hmm. people who have similar interests. So I just filmed a podcast episode with that or with Kaylee about all that. And um, yeah, making friends in the community. I don't know if it's coming out before this or no, I think it's before this. I don't know. Anyway, you'll either have listened to it already or it's coming out soon. We'll see. I can't Um, wait to listen to it. Yay. Um, So yeah, no, that's so awesome. And it really is like super aesthetic and I love it. And it's beautiful that you're like promoting, you know, proper feeling and it's really helping people because there are some toxic accounts out there. So yeah, for sure. So your username is Balance I Morgan and has balance in it. What would you say is true balance in life and food and athletics? So balance for me basically just means living a life without restrictions, not feeling like you have to live by any like certain set of rules or guidelines. And I'm definitely a very like type A person. Like I like Mm -hmm. to have a routine and I'm very like, I'm a perfectionist and stuff like that. So sometimes I struggle with just like letting go and going with the flow. So that's, I've really started to get into balance and just learning how to live a life with balance and learning that like, not everything is going to go the way you want. Life isn't always in your control. And that's where balance comes in. It's accepting that some things you can control, some things you can't. And it's basically just doing what's best for you. Like you don't have to always stick to the same set of rules or like ideas that you believe in. Like, for example, with me, like being vegetarian to pescatarian, like that's balance for me. It's understanding that it's okay to make changes based on my like 
health and my lifestyle and what I need to do, even if it's not like what I originally like planned to do for the rest of my life. Like I never thought I'd be pescatarian, but here I am. And I'm so glad I did because not only is it bettering my health and my lifestyle, but it has taught me that it is okay to make changes and just live with balance. Absolutely. Oh, that was so beautiful. Like, amen. (laughs) No, that's so awesome. Because I feel like too, a lot of, I mean, a lot of people who struggle with eating disorders um, are high achievers and Mm -hmm. perfectionists and they like control. And a lot of times eating disorders just come to a sense of control. And that's what it boils down to. And I feel like just like cultivating a life of balance is so important because like Mm -hmm. there are things we can't control in this world. And just really embracing that balance instead of like turning to a false sense of control is so essential for well-being and exactly. yes. so there's this quote from frozen Two that I always think about whenever I'm like oh my gosh things are not going according to plan like I'm stressed out and I'm like wait think of Olaf he was like this is called <laughs> controlling what you can when things feel out of control and <laughs> I think about that I'm like yes I love that I, yeah, right. I love that <laughs> I love Olaf. He's my favorite. Olaf's the best. <laughs> he is. Um, yeah. So I just always remember like things aren't going to go according to our control and we can control healthy things and mm-hmm. not food, not anything that will damage us. So yeah, that's beautiful. Balance is true. Yeah. Truly a beautiful thing. How would you say one should cultivate food, like total food freedoms? Kind of a loaded question, but like Yeah. Um, so for me personally, when it came to food freedom, when I was recovering from my eating disorder, again, I was very young. So basically anything that my parents told me to eat, I had to eat, even if I was up until like midnight trying to get myself to eat it, I had to eat it. And I think I'm so grateful for my parents and having my parents help me through that because the more they forced me to eat the things that obviously I was scared of, the easier it became. And just, I know it's, um, easier said than done, but honestly, just letting go of all those rules and giving yourself full permission to eat whatever you want, eat until you're satisfied, like no restrictions, no rules of you have to eat at this time, or you have to have a vegetable at your meal, or you have to have this and that just letting your body, trusting your body and what it wants. And that's really going to help you just be more in tune with your body and let your body trust yourself again. And then that's really going to help you just overall have food freedom. Absolutely. Really just regaining that trust and that balance with your body really too, because like your body, like we said earlier, like your body knows best and just, yeah, yeah, like even if you just ate a meal and your friend's like, Hey, like, let's go out to get donuts. And you're like, if you really want, if you want to do that, like that's freedom, like say yes. And like, also the thing like though, is if you're scared of like, doing something that will lead to food freedom, do it anyway, because Mm -hmm. you have to sit in that fear to overcome it. And you have to run towards fear to get to the other side. And I just filmed a podcast episode all about fear foods and like how you kind of have to sit in that. And that'll come out way later, but, um, it's just, you really just have to like push through that fear and push through that discomfort because it's so worth it. And it works. Mm Mm-hmm. The only way that you can grow in life is by facing the things that make you uncomfortable and that you fear, because if you just stay in a state where you're comfortable all the time, you're never going to be able to grow. And that's definitely something that I've just like learned in general, 
is that fear is what makes us ultimately grow and getting through those tough times and the challenging times. That's what ultimately helps us come out stronger in the end. Absolutely. Absolutely. Do the thing that scares you today, guys. (laughs) It'll, it'll help you grow. That's awesome. Well, that's cool. So what is one piece of advice, I guess that, or more, like what's your biggest piece of advice for athletes who might be struggling with fueling right now, or feel like they might be engaging in disordered eating besides like seeking support and help and stuff mm-hmm. what piece of advice you would give? Um, I would say that ultimately at the end of the day, you are more than an athlete. You are a human being. You need to, you're again, like you're not going to be doing your sport forever. So fueling isn't just something that you have to do because you're an athlete. It's something that you have to do because you're a human being. And if you want to live a long life. And if you want to go and travel and experience all these things and see these different places and have these different foods and meet all these people, you need to have food in your system to have the energy to go and do that. Cause at the end of the day, food is not just fuel. Food is also enjoyment and it's a way to connect with people. And it's just, it's so much more than just the energy you need for getting a goal in your soccer game or running around the track. It's enjoyment and it's a part of life and it's something that we need as humans it is so essential so I would definitely say that just viewing food as not just fuel but also enjoyment and just understanding that when you're done with your sport you're still going to need to fuel yourself absolutely food is life it literally Mm -hmm. is life and like it is such a social thing and an essential thing like if you notice like anytime we're celebrating we're mourning we're doing food always brings us together. And it's something that is so crucial to life. Like when you are, you know, on your deathbed, you're not going to want to say, oh, I did such a good job eating low carb and this and that because yeah, exactly. Or be like, oh, I feel for my performance as an athlete. No, you want to say I enjoyed my life and I connected with others because the meaning of Mm -hmm. life is, in my opinion, is to love others and to like connect with others and to like build each other up and make a difference in this world. And you can do that on an empty time. Yeah. Yeah. And like the other thing is with being like an athlete, there's always so much pressure with like the way that you have to look and all these stereotypical looks, especially like in the running community or with gymnasts and dancers, like everyone thinks that you have to be like thin and all that, but you are so much more than a body. And at the end of the day, would you rather have like that six pack and really thin, or would you rather be the fastest runner on your team or one of the best soccer players on your team or whatever sport you do at the end of the day, how you perform is so much better than how you look, especially because your body is the least interesting, interesting thing about you. Absolutely. 100%. Like your body wants to be where it's at. You can't manipulate, you can't control it. Mm-hmm. But it's where it's happy, you are going to thrive, not only in your athletic performance, but in life. So yeah, well said, Morgan. <laughs> awesome. So where can people connect with you if they want to talk to you or reach out or say hi? Um, my Instagram and my TikTok are both balanced by Morgan. And I will always answer any like DMs or anything. And I'm always up for uh, making new friends because I love making friends. Oh, I love that. Me too. This is so fun. Okay. <laughs> so I do have a couple of fun closing questions. What is, okay. What does your morning routine look like? And what is your favorite breakfast to make? And I think I can guess from your Instagram. Cause it's so, <laughs> so yummy. It looks delicious, but I'm excited to hear. 
Okay. So right now, because it's the summer, my morning routine looks like me getting up around like 7, 10. Mm-hmm. I wake up as late as I possibly can because I have 8 a.m. practice and I like to sleep in a little bit before. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just, I wake up, I get changed. I have my pre-run snack. I always do a little bit of stretching and like some band work just to get my body ready. And then I go to practice and then I always walk home with my friends. We always take the longer way home so we could all talk and just catch up with each other. And then I come home and I do like a little bit of core and then I make myself a whole feast because I am always so hungry when I come home. And then after I eat breakfast, I usually just work on like some mobility and stretching. And then I have the whole day and I love to just go outside and like read my book or whatever I have to do. And I just really relax. And then for breakfast, I used to not like breakfast. I used to like have like cereal every day. But once I got into like nutrition and cooking and all that, I have become such a breakfast person. And even though like, I know a lot of people are like team sweet breakfast over team savory, but I'm personally team savory. And my go-to breakfast is always like a pita breakfast plate. So I always toast pita bread and then I'll have like either uh, hard boiled eggs or tofu or tempeh scramble with some vegetables. And then I have a little piece of like a little side of fruit, like an apple or peach or berries just to get a little bit of sweetness to balance out the savory, but I'm definitely more of a savory girl. And then I have either like avocado or a tahini dip to dunk the pita bread in. And it's just, it's so good. And my recent obsession has been having tart cherry juice also in the morning after workouts. That is a game changer for all my athletes listening that it's going to help you so much. Yes. 100%. Okay. That sounds delicious. Um, amazing. So good. I always love your breakfast plates. They look so yummy. <laughs> I, I love breakfast plates. <laughs> so good. So good. I could honestly go either way with breakfast. Sometimes I'm sweet, sometimes I'm savory, but like mm-hmm. your savory breakfast, I'm going to have to make it sometime. Like it looks so good. It's so good. I mean, like today I was in a sweet and savory mood, which I've been like, I think because it's hot, I've been wanting a little bit more sweet at breakfast but I'm always going to be team savory oh for sure for sure that's awesome and yes tart cherry juice is amazing it really helps with muscle repair and it helps you it literally helps me feel less sore like for yeah yeah that's so cool so yummy and I love how you also just like have the day to relax and stuff after practice Mm -hmm. read any good books lately um actually I did so if any of you are runners listening to this and you like suspense stories and like mystery there's a book called they'll never catch us it's like a murder mystery that happens on a cross-country team I love it it was so good I was I finished in like three days (laughs) that's amazing I need to read that I saw you Mm -hmm. recommended that in my like because I asked because like I go through so many books in the summer and I'm like I need to read that (laughs) so good Oh, that's so good. Well, awesome. Thank you so much again, Morgan, for coming on. Of course. Thanks for sharing so much wisdom. And I will link her Instagram and TikTok down below so you guys can connect with her. Um, And we hope you enjoyed this episode.